Hello and welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. My name is Kyle Banton-Jones and I'll be your host. The Wild Enrichment Podcast is a show about animal welfare, training, enrichment, and everything in between. Each episode, we will be exploring concepts surrounding behavioral husbandry and the ever-advancing field of animal welfare, from interviews with real animal care professionals to educational episodes about new concepts in animal care. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. Okay, uh, hello everybody and welcome back to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Uh, today we are joined by uh, Denise Souffrance and uh, we are going to be doing a sort of part two of uh, hiring uh, and going over sort of uh, resumes and interviews, cover letters, all the fun stuff that goes uh, in uh, to getting a job as a zookeeper. And uh, we, we've already done one with a hiring manager and it's not actually not out yet. So uh, as of this recording, so which is good because uh, you know it'll be make this even more valuable. So you won't have in case you listen to that, Denise. So uh, thank you for coming on, Denise, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Yeah, of course, no problem. Uh, yeah, so maybe uh, you can tell us, uh, give us a quick little uh, intro and uh, your sort of background in animal care as well as hiring. Yeah, no problem. So I'm currently the ranch manager at the Lion Habitat Ranch in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so we have uh, lions, 25 of them, a giraffe, some parrots, and some other things as well. Um, I actually started out my career with uh, marine mammals, so I started working with dolphins at the Mirage, and I've even worked for the Navy Marine Mammal Program for a few years as well, um, before moving to big cats. Great. Yeah, so uh, so as a hiring manager, you're, you're very qualified uh, to sort of do this interview and uh, obviously do look at quite a few resumes and... Uh, uh, do some interviews and stuff. So uh, that's uh, great that you're on. Um, so we're going to sort of break it up into resumes and cover letters and then interviews and then talk a little bit about uh, internships and, uh, you know, being a seasonal keeper uh, and what goes into that. Uh, so yeah, before we go into that, uh, do you sort of just want to you know, I think people focus a lot on uh, the resumes and actually getting the job. Um, they sort of forget to network and build relationships. So how, how important do you think that is to actually getting a job as a zookeeper? I think it's actually incredibly important to network because I feel like you build a lot of relationships when you go to the conferences, the workshops. I myself have gone to so many like IMATA workshops and I've just gotten to go to the ABMA conference not too long, too many years ago because they weren't in person for a little while, obviously. Um, and then also the IMATA conferences are also a lot of fun. And then you just get to meet a lot of different people, a lot of different walks of life, including not even from the US, just even from Europe. And you get to meet a lot of people, work with the same animals with you uh, or even different animals maybe that you want to work with potentially or just think are really cool so it's just a really good way to kind of build relationships with people and they're like oh yeah I know this person I met them at the conference and also sometimes you can chat with each other if you have questions if you currently work at a facility um, if anything comes up with your animals and I feel like that's just a really good way to start because I feel like getting your foot in the door especially anymore is just so hard um, and I feel like that's a great gateway yeah, I mean, we're we're lucky enough to be in in uh, uh, applying for jobs that are you know so 
great that so many people apply. So uh, it is a good problem to have. But yeah, it's definitely important to uh, meet as many people as you can. And it doesn't need to be uh, a lot of people use it in such a negative light. And it, it can really be a positive thing. And it can really get you exposed to a lot of people and a lot of opinions and a lot of resources for later down the road uh, to connect with people. Because, uh, you know, it's especially online, it's, um, there's no playbook for a lot of you know, the stuff that we do and there's no instruction manual that comes with the polar bear and stuff. So, uh, it, having those people and networking is, is not only going to help you get your foot in the door, but it's going to help you become a better keeper down the road as well. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, so maybe we'll, uh, sort of start with resumes and cover letters. Um, so as a, uh, this is a pretty open-ended question, but uh, you know, what are you sort of looking for in a resume and cover letter? And is there things that immediately jump out to you that you are sort of uh, immediately looking for in that? So usually if it's clean, I'm not terribly, I usually almost always contact anybody who sends in my resume and cover letter just because I want to find out more information. Um, I feel like a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves anymore, and I'm probably, hopefully there's more managers that maybe do this and are a little bit forgiving because I know how hard people wanting to get in the field or even in the field can be hard on themselves. Um, and maybe they make one small spelling error, or maybe they thought they should rephrase it, but usually if it's at least clean and not so jumbled, that's a little bit easier to read, especially if you're going through a lot of resumes. But as far as like making small errors or focusing on which species to put on the resumes, I feel like um, a little bit broader is better. Um, and also I may want to ask more questions, but as far as the little like nitpicky things that um, some places may have, just because they maybe have a lot more applicants, I do go through a few, but they may have a little bit more. Um, I like to give people that opportunity just because maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Um, so, you know, uh, do you have a sort of model in your mind as the, like, does, does one jump out as the sort of best resume you've ever seen? Or is there something that you, that you see and you're like, this is, this is awesome. And anything weird I think I've gotten is just like a photo with the resume one time, but that employee ended up being superb and fantastic. And I rely on them so much. So little things like that, maybe you're like, you have that like negative connotation towards may not actually be as negative as you're thinking. Um, Cause I love that employee. I ended up hiring them. They were fantastic. They still are. Yeah. No, that That's funny. You mentioned that because that was actually that that came up in the last interview as one of the biggest uh, red flags as far as like jumbling up your resume and filling it with stuff that doesn't need to be there. The picture, a picture of yourself is uh, was deemed to not be something that you should put on your resume. So you you agree with that for the most part. It's not the rule, but. <laughs> It's not a hard work because obviously, hey, like I said, you never know. You always want to give them that opportunity and they ended up working out great. Um, I think the biggest red flags for me that are, I ended up interviewing the person, but it was still just a hard no. They had a very outdated resume and they were just, they didn't really know what they wanted, but they just wanted a position to work with big cats mm. and the interview itself uh, was a red flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's especially nowadays like uh I I think there's there's no reason to have a resume that doesn't like look somewhat nice and organized and there's templates for it even in most word uh you know 
programs that you're going to be using. So, uh, yeah, I think keeping it updated and, you know, if, if you put in effort, it does translate into uh, what the hiring manager is actually looking at. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Do you have a sort of, uh, like a, a red flag that, that comes up that you, that you see on a resume that sort of jumps out at you immediately? Um, probably lines and stuff. Maybe some facilities do free contact. Some don't. We do semi-protected contact nowadays. Um, so most of it's between some kind of bar, but we do have some contact with our lions. But maybe something on the resume, like or a cover letter that says, "Oh yeah, I just want to go in with the cats" or something like that, or something mm. to feature because that concerns me as far as safety. Because um, we try not to have any incidents, and that leads me to believe we may be working towards that. Yeah, you don't want to be giving keys to somebody that uh, wants to just go run run in with big cats. That's definitely uh, that's a very obvious red flag. Uh, so that's that's definitely a good one. Is there a more you know not necessarily? A, sorry, it can be subtle too. Like it may be a subtle like just little things that you can catch, and you're like, oh no, this may not work. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know maybe not something that's a red flag, but is there a sort of common mistake that you see uh, that jumps out at you at all? Uh, you know that's that's less glaring than than a. Uh, a, a wannabe big cat encounter? Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is just the jumbling, just trying to put everything you can just on one page. But I feel like sometimes just less is more. And I think sometimes we have a hard time self-editing because we're like, mm. but I want to shine and show how amazing it could be as a candidate because I have maybe so many other candidates I'm competing with. Um, so I feel like they want to put as much on there, but sometimes it's just less is more and the cleaner resume stands out a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. More of a, more of like a minimalist resume is cause I feel like this sort of, uh, a lot of the old school templates that you that you see were very, uh, lots of like borders and boxes and, uh, maybe sometimes even pictures and, uh, stuff like that. So yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree that the sort of minimalist resumes tend to look a little bit better, and you also have more room to put stuff in it as well when it's not so full of formatting and uh, things that aren't necessarily uh, doing you any good. Right. Uh, so uh, maybe we'll uh, uh, shift to sort of interviewing here. Like you know, you uh, submitted your resume, and now you're getting a chance to interview. Uh, do you have sort of a general? things that people should know going in into into an interview for a starting keeper position that you'd like to to mention yeah um for me i think one of the most daunting questions that i've received like starting out for like working with like dangerous animals is just kind of what would you do in a scenario say an animal was no longer in its closure somehow you and animal are in the same space now after you've checked all the locks um and you think when you're starting out you're like oh i need to get this answer right otherwise i'm going to fail this interview um and i just for as a hiring manager i just want to see what your thought process is there's not necessarily a right and a wrong answer per se although kind of but not necessarily i just kind of want to see your thought process in general of how you would go about a situation if that were to happen in that scenario um, and I feel like that's really daunting as far as if you want to work with dangerous animals, you're most likely probably going to get that question in a starting interview. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, and we talked about this a little bit in the last interview as well, like, uh, 
you know, interviewing is a skill and especially for an entry level position. Uh, it's, it's a great point saying, you know, all these answers don't exactly have to be a hundred percent perfect because, uh, of the nature of the position. Um, you know, as you, as you move on and go to more and more advanced positions, those are more, the interviews that you want to really uh, be as per close to perfect on because you've also done more interviews and interviewing is awkward. You know, I'm sure uh, it's not a comfortable experience for you all the time as well. Oh, it's awkward on both ends. I yeah. So, and, and that is, that is helpful for people to know because they do uh, uh, it. I feel like that is comforting for people to know that, it's, it's not just them that is sort of nervous and a little bit awkward. It can also be awkward to conduct the interview as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have a sort of um, advice for people that get nervous about interviews? Because that's something that comes up a lot with uh, interviewing. And, you know, people uh, will a lot of the time say, uh, you know, I don't do well in interviews because I get so nervous. And uh, do you have advice for people like that? Um depends on i guess who you are as a person maybe uh if you are comfortable and have friends that you can talk with maybe you just have them kind of free ball some questions at you and just answering it with them in like a casual conversation so that's like a script if that's what you're more comfortable with um maybe having a little bit of small chat not a lot of small chat with your interviewer as you're going to maybe get a little bit more comfortable um if you're able to just you have to feel it out as you're going because um, I don't mind having a little bit of small chat here and there um, within the interview because it's fun to hear little stories, especially if they're getting to know you and see if they want to join your team. And then you're getting to know them and see if they would be a good fit for your team. So I feel like that maybe would help with kind of developing that relationship beginning as well. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's great. And that's actually something that that has worked for me uh, in almost every single interview that I've ever done. Um I feel like when I'm getting it, when I'm in an uncomfortable position, my first reaction is to make uh, stupid jokes and to do, you know, some small talk and stuff like that. And that definitely um, lightens the mood for me and sort of allows me to uh, humanize the people that are conducting the interview, which is definitely important um, for a lot of people. So that's, yeah, that's very, very good advice. Yep. And then I also, for my interviews anyways, because I'm informal as an individual, I also warn them, I'm like, my interviews are pretty informal. So I feel like sometimes that kind of helps if the interviewer also offers that information. If they're an informal kind of person, that's how they are. I think that helps too, because maybe that'll kind of take a little bit of other weight off their shoulders as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that sort of ties in with um, also you know, telling the, uh, you know, going back to a question or not being afraid to sort of pause the interview, go back to a question, um, uh, you know, take your time. Uh, that's, that sort of all kind of goes into that. It doesn't need to be the super formal affair with, uh, you know, very strict rules. And if, if you can't think of something, uh, you know, try to go back to it or try to, to mention that and, uh, sort of bring down the formality of the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, if I haven't had that happen, but if somebody wanted to go back to a question, I would appreciate that honesty and that openness. So I feel like that's something people could do. And that would be something I would see as a hiring manager is, like, oh, they're honest and open and they're not just going to like rush into the situation if they're not comfortable kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, for me personally, I 
always struggle with questions where you know uh, somebody will will ask name the 10 things for for you know this and and i i just have an impossible time keeping track of how many uh how many things i've said and how many and you know and and that sort of lists and and things like that so yeah i always i almost always you know get five out and then then you know go back to the question so um that's definitely something that i've done in in interviews and something that i would recommend uh people not being afraid to do because it it you know you're you're trying to get the best answer possible and you're just taking a minute to to think it over and and breathe a little is definitely uh definitely can go a long way yeah definitely uh yeah so so do you have sort of uh um advice that you'd give people going into an interview i'm sorry i cut out i was getting a call <laughs> oh that's that's fine uh do you have um uh what's your sort of best advice uh for people going into an interview um i think it's good to look at the facility you're applying to to know a little bit of something like shows that you are interested in the position i know all of us have heard that before but i mean it does show um taking that extra initiative because i go through people's resumes and things so it kind of is like that quid pro quo i feel like um we're taking the time and kind of getting to know each other for a facility you're looking to come to and not knowing anything um i feel like it's kind of uh doesn't show that you really are interested it's just like hey this is another job kind of a thing yeah yeah no like spending some time on the company website uh, getting to know the sort of strategic plan if they have that posted the the goals and everything of the company can go a really really long way so um yeah that's uh, definitely definitely good advice um only because too for me i'm like oh so you're obviously looking to like stay very long and Probably if I could have somebody stay within the company, that'd be great too. Yeah, yeah, and 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 viewing an interview more as a conversation going both ways. Uh, you know, you also have to work here uh, every day, so it would be good if you did some research about the company and actually decided if it's a good fit for you because um, that is the part of the interview process. So, uh, yeah, doing your research is uh, definitely super important. Um. So uh, as far as, you know, getting an internship and being a seasonal keeper or, uh, you know, uh, just getting your foot in the door, what do you see as the most important quality uh, these people can have uh, to sort of help them become permanent and help them get a full-time job? Um, we don't have seasonal or internships from speaking from my experience as an intern and everything. Um, I just think um, being really willing to learn <laughs> goes a long way and in taking initiative to learn um, versus just kind of just and moving on with your day. Just because in animal care, you're not ever going to know everything. And Um, I think it's important for them to kind of keep that open mind and be showing that willingness. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, yeah, being uh, being that person that's that's actually helpful and actually trying to learn 
um, is, is, is very, very important and, you know, comes across really well to the people that are uh, training you and, you know, that you're sort of following around uh, all day. Do you see a sort of common mistake uh, that you see uh, in the sort of temporary keepers, interns um, that sort of hurts uh, them in the long run? Um, I don't want to say the word cocky, but I'm going to say it. Um, being cocky. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, just trying to be a know-it-all and it doesn't, it's just, it kind of is like, I already know everything. What else am I going to learn? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, definitely agree with that. Um, I think, uh, I, I, I think that sort of goes back to your first point. You know, I, I think that shows the opposite of willing to learn. Uh, when you're sort of claiming to know everything. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's that's a, a very common mistake. Uh, maybe not so common, but yeah, definitely a huge mistake that you see uh, in in sort of people starting out their career. Uh, you know, do you have any sort of uh, resources that you would like to promote or uh, that you think people should look at uh, when trying to become a keeper? And, um, you know, anything that you think people should should check out? I definitely enjoy Animals Amplified. I help Lynn Lee out, but she's a really good resource. Um, I reach out to her for management advice all of the time, and she's super helpful for keepers, uh, lower levels, higher levels, you name it. And she's even before I was a manager, she's always just been such a help. Um, so I would definitely check her out. Uh, books, I liked Crucial Conversations. Um, it just really talks a little bit more about um, how to have a conversation with people, especially if it may be a more difficult conversation. So those are two resources that I really enjoy. And if um, some of the keeper pages are good, um, I know right now there's just a lot kind of in the animal care political kind of realm right now is versus, you know, a little bit more learning. Um, but sometimes those can be good resources as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. And I'll link to uh, those resources that you mentioned um, in the show notes. So if you want to check, check those out, uh, you can do so uh, down in the show notes. Um, well, uh, yeah, Denise, it was great talking to you. Those are uh, some great advice. I think that's uh, super useful um, for, for keepers looking to become a zookeeper. So thanks uh, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And I enjoy all of your content for enrichment. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So uh, thanks uh, for listening, everybody. And thank you, Denise. And uh, we will see you again in the next episode. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Wild Enrichment Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Wild Enrichment on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. If you want to learn more about Wild Enrichment and see some of our great resources, check out www.wildenrichment.com. Also, if you wish to support Wild Enrichment, check out our Patreon. Again, thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Wild Enrichment is independently owned and claims no affiliation to any zoo, aquarium, or other animal care institutions. All of the information and opinions communicated through this podcast, wildenrichment.com, and affiliated social media accounts are based on my own opinions and experiences and are not in any way reflective of the opinions of my employers past or present. Thank you.